0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Welcome to Reality Honolulu's Digital House Church. So thankful you would join us on this Sunday. I know it's Super Bowl Sunday. Many of you guys are probably watching and rooting. Uh, but if you're here, present during that Awesome. If it's later, cool too as well. Just so thankful that we can do this and to gather even digitally apart, that the Spirit of God would unify us and continue to do so as He has done. Um, before we get into the Word of God, I want to continue our time of worship as we always do to remember that our tithes and offering and our regular giving is is worship unto the Lord. That because He is a generous God and we're made in His image, we become generous people. And we're actually not only worshiping with our with our finances and resources, but we're also participating in the building of his kingdom in and through Reality Honolulu. And uh, so gracious that you would partner with us in that way. Uh, more info of how to do that and, and kind of why we would do that and why it's worship on the website, on the Give page. But I want to pray. That God uses this church and these funds for his glory and to do all that he wants to do and also pray for our time in the word this morning. So why don't you join with me? God, thank you so much that you are God and you're in control and this is your church and your work and that you would involve us in it. We get to participate and give towards it and serve and be a part of what you're doing. And um, God, we want to lay all this at your feet, this church and these funds and these finances and say, God, have your way. Do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can hope, think, or imagine with them. Pray that many would come to know you and be discipled and many would be served and cared for and loved on with these funds. Um, And your gospel would go forth uh, mightily through Reality Honolulu. um, um, and many would come to know Jesus. And so, God, we thank you for this time in your word. We pray that we would be formed and shaped and discipled into the image and likeness of Jesus through it. Um, God, I pray as we read and study your text today, you'd give us not only understanding, but application to what it means for us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been with us, we have been going through the book of Acts. We are finishing up Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 41 today. I would love if you would join with me in reading it to follow along so you know I'm not making this stuff up and you know what the word of God is saying. And so uh, I'm reading out of the NIV translation. Love for you to follow with me. Uh, This is what the word of the Lord says. Acts 15, 36 through 41 says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. Note verse 39. They had such a sharp disagreement that they actually parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. uh, He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Okay, before we dig into that, I want to give us a little bit of a recap and a reminder of context so we get the most out of our text, right? so, So last week... What we studied is that when we saw Paul and Barnabas, they returned home to their home of Syrian Antioch, really victorious from this discussion with the council of Jerusalem. And they brought back some wonderful news. And that news was that Gentile believers, those not ethnically or religiously uh, Jewish, did not have to become or be circumcised, or adopt a Jewish lifestyle in addition to believing to be saved. Again, if this decision had gone the other way, evangelism uh, and the gospel going forth to the Gentiles outside of the Israelites would have ended altogether. But now that this was decided, that every person, of every tongue, tribe, and nation, not just ethnically and religiously Jewish, could know Jesus and follow Jesus with their unique and distinct cultural identity. Paul was ready to go, and he could not wait uh, going again. And what they had planned here is Paul and Barnabas, they had planned to retrace these, these kind of memorable steps of their first missionary journey Uh, from Antioch across the Mediterranean to that big island, Cyprus, in the middle there. Um, And then they would go up sailing to Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. They would go through all these cities and regions where all these converts um, had just converted and churches were started. And, And it was awesome that what God had done, and they wanted to follow up. Right? They wanted to follow up with these new believers to correct false doctrines, to teach more about God's grace, to share the results of this good news of the Jerusalem council that they all didn't have to become you know, religiously Jewish also. They could be present where they were in their context, in their culture, but now follow Jesus and allow the words and the spirit of God to shape them uniquely in that context. And rightfully so, Paul and Barnabas wanted to follow up with these new converts and continue to make them into disciples. I mean, these were great plans. This is a great idea. This is awesome. Paul and Barnabas were a great team. But what's happening today is is a really abrupt and probably what we didn't expect, plot twist. Paul and Barnabas have this really sharp disagreement. Um, they disagree really over if they should take John Mark with them on this or not. And ultimately, they cannot like come to an agreement and it's so bad that they actually part ways. I mean, this is not only that's not a, it's not a riff in the relationship. like it's an ending in some ways to this really great relationship. It's, it's a really big deal. It's like very unique to scripture that we see this. And I think there's some things to note and some important things to see and learn from. The first thing though, just reading this, is what I appreciate, is I appreciate the honesty of this being included, right? That our our author, Luke, includes this. Because Luke, who's our narrator, who we're reading through the lens of as we read the book of Acts, this historical narrative of what we're reading, he didn't have to include this church drama. Like, that's what it is, right? This is a bad part in the church's history. Um, again, if he didn't include it, we wouldn't really know about it, right? But I value and respect his choice to include it. And, and I mean, if you've been around it, if, if you know about it, uh, when church drama happens in any shape or form, which... It totally does. Don't be naive about that. It, ha- it happens a lot in any church. There's this real temptation and tendency like to hide and cover up church drama, especially when, you know, I lead a pastor or a ministry leader or, or someone, you know, obviously in the church, they fall, they fail, whatever it happens, um, there's this real tendency and temptation for a church to just not talk about it, cover it up, like not, let's just just not go there. And I've been a pastor, you know, this year is 15 years in full-time ministry, and really I live and breathe the church world. Like, that's all I've done, and not only in the churches that I've served in, but I follow and know, know lots of other churches, and depending on your experience with this, unfortunately, this happens a lot, where there's moral failure, or there's drama, or church splits, or whatever you name it, or whatever you want to call it, and it's, it's dealt with a lot differently, And I think more often than not, if we look at any situation that either we've been a part of or seen another church or heard another church, as difficult as it is, I believe it is always better to be open and honest. Again, you got to be wise on how much you share and whatnot, but I think great damage can be done. Right, as we know, some of us very personally, if, if there's just like a cover-up and it's hidden and we don't really know what happened, but so-and-so is not the pastor anymore and all of a sudden the church split and we don't know anything about it. But here, even though it's not detailed, like there's honesty, there's openness. And I think it's a good reminder here that when failure or rifts or drama happens in the church in any way, not just in a large scale, but even like in our personal lives, in our personal relationships. I think we can agree, if we're going to step back, that, that openness and honesty are really the first step towards repentance and healing. And, and I love that Luke included that. And I think it's just a good reminder to appreciate and strive for openness and honesty, especially when there's drama inside the church. Um, Second thing I want to point out that I think we can, um, that we should learn from and glean from is that that, that humanity is normalized here, right? That, that, That we normalize the humanity of biblical characters. And If we're honest, right, it's so easy for us to like separate ourselves from biblical characters. Like we put them uh, on a holier than thou pedestal. That's them. That's not me. Like I'm a mess. They're not. They're amazing. They're somehow different, superheroes or whatever it is. And that our lives don't compare to theirs. But today, I hope, is another reminder that just like every other biblical character outside of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, right? That it's a reminder that humans are flawed, that they fail, and that they're in need of the grace of God. And Paul and Barnabas are no exception to the rule. I mean, think about who they were in the church in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. I mean, these guys were the guys. They were like not that you should ever rank Christianity or Christians or how amazing they were, but like these guys are at the top of the list here. Loving Jesus, going forward, evangelizing, starting churches, saving everybody, like, right? And these are the ones that are having this relational discord that ends not in unity, not in reconciliation, but actually in a parting of ways. What we see here, is humanity, that we are all in need of the grace of God, that we all are are not without error and failure and mess-ups. But even in our text today, like this sharp disagreement is actually a heated and gnarly argument. Like the Greek word here in the original language uh, is paraximos. Didn't say that probably right, but paraximos, which denotes... The meaning of that word originally is violent action or emotion. Like, this was an intense and passionate conflict. Like, I'm going to make something up, but, like, they could be scrapping. Like, wrestling, fighting, punching, hitting. Like, it's not just, like, ah, I'm just so sad at you. I disagree with you. Like, the, even the meaning of the word is that, like, this is violent, emotional. Like, they were going at it. Okay? Like, this is like a, whoa there, buddy, type of thing. F.F. Bruce, Bruce describes what this argument or this disagreement, um, this fight was about. He says this, it gives us some context of why they were disagreeing. So when, when Paul proposed to Barnabas that they should revisit the churches planted during their recent tour of Cyprus and Central Antolia. Barnabas agreed, and then he suggested they should take Mark along with them as they had done on the former occasion, which we saw back in Acts 13. But Paul, believing that Mark's departure from Perga during their former journey was unjustified, So we learned there just briefly in Acts 13 that that Mark had left them on their journey. We don't really know why, but he he bounced. He left them. Paul, believing that Mark's departure from Perga during their former journey was unjustified and probably reckoning that it revealed some defect of character which made him unsuitable for such work, like his missionary pioneering work, refused point blank to take him again. We can believe that it would indeed have been unwise for Mark at this stage to join another missionary expedition of which Paul was one of the leaders. On the other hand, kind of explaining a little bit, maybe some perspectives. On the other hand, Barnabas probably discerned promising qualities in his young cousin. So what we also know about this is that John Mark or Mark is... Cousins with Barnabas here. Uh, Now, on the other hand, Barnabas probably discerned promising qualities in his young cousin, which would be developed under his care maybe better than under Paul's. It did mark good to spend more time in the company of such a son of encouragement, which is what we know of Barnabas. Um, And what happened was, in the event, his latent qualities reached full maturity and were appreciated in due course by Paul himself, which we actually do read in Colossians 4 and Philemon and 2 Timothy that later on Paul sees maybe these qualities of Mark that he didn't see before. But in the moment... Paul and Barnabas sharply, violently, passionately fight over this. And again, because we would only be speculating, even as F.F. F. Bruce just, of uh, of who was wrong, I think each of us could stand back and say, Paul could easily have been wrong. Uh, also, Barnabas maybe was wrong. Right? Like, I... I uh, I feel for Barnabas. Yet Paul is one of the greatest of apostles. So, he might might have known something there. Perhaps they were both right. Uh, you can't rightly blame either of them. And especially like for Barnabas, he wanted to give his, you know, cousin a second chance. Um, but I can also not fault Paul for fearing to trust him again. Like they were This was gnarly. There was persecution. Like, you had to have a certain level of, of like, perseverance to do what they were doing and because he didn't before. Um, Again, you get what I mean. Like, you could easily say who was in the wrong or what they should have done. But honestly, from the outside here, you may be reading this and think it's just, like, this is ridiculous. This is silly. Like, can't you guys just figure it out? Like, how old are you? Right? Can't you just compromise and settle? Like, what's the big deal about bringing John Mark? If he can't hang, then he can't hang. Or like, wh- why is he going to cause you so many problems? Is it worth dividing over? I think from the outside, we can look and go, couldn't they have just worked it out? But if we're honest, I think we would say the same about a lot of our arguments and disagreements, uh, most arguments and disagreements from the outside, when you're not in it, as time passes, we may feel the same, right? But when we're in it, it's very real, it's very important, and some truly are. Like some, some, sometimes it's, it's very real and it's very true, but a lot of times, right, if we look back of why we disagreed or argue or why we had that relational discord, we're like, oh man, that was, that was silly. I was emotional, I was prideful, or like, oh, was that even a big deal? But in this case, they couldn't, again, we don't know all the details. We don't know all the, you know, all that's going on, but they end up parting ways. And the third point I want us to, to think about and I want us to learn from is, uh, is to strive for unity because what happened here it could, it could happen to all of us. None of us are immune to relational discord, even with the closest people in our lives that are the most godly, that are the most Christ-like, like if it can happen to Paul and Barnabas, then you better believe that it can happen to us. So we should be on guard. We should be aware that this can happen. But we also need to know that this isn't ideal. See, This shouldn't, we shouldn't look at what's happening in Acts 15 and make an excuse for why we can, why having relational discord is okay or why Christian quarreling is okay. Um, This shouldn't be an excuse to think it's okay or should be the norm. Like it shouldn't give us warrant to use this scripture as something to strive for by any means, because, right, if we, if we know anything about Scripture and the heart of God, is that God's heart, which we see all over the place, is always unity and reconciliation and forgiveness despite differences, right? That love covers a multitude of sins, that, that we are unified despite our diversity and our differences. And what we see here today, in my opinion, should be A last resort. Again, there's exceptions, of course, that you maybe feel called or you have theological differences, why you would part ways or split or not be together. But when it comes to relational discord, working through the issue and staying in community is always the goal. So when we read Acts 15 here, we shouldn't say, ah, yeah, you know what? It's okay sometimes. Sometimes. We should rather go, this is the last resort. God can use it, which we'll see, but this is the last resort. And if it comes to this, right, in our own lives and in their lives, if it comes to a parting of ways, especially with believers at a church, like a church split or ministry partners or, or you leave a church or whatever it is, I think there's a ton of good ways to part ways. Um, that are better than others. And I'd actually like to teach on how to leave the church well. I I think there's so much hurt and damage that can be done when we don't leave our churches well, when we move to different churches, and, and it happens a lot. And so I actually would like to do that sometime, but now is not totally the time for that. But more times than not, these type of partings inside the church are so painful. And I want to exhort us today that in your life, in the church, with other Christians, with ministry leaders, whatever it is, not just our church, but in your life when it comes to this, if it comes down to parting ways, part well. And as your pastor, knowing how damaging this can be personally, like i 've seen it i 've heard it, and <clears throat> when i on my deathbed it 'll still be like oh wow there there's so much pain, painful things um, when it comes to the church and people leaving and parting um, like it stays with you as a pastor i 'm not just not just talking personally, but again i'm that 's my world pastors, church leaders, churches and I want to lovingly ask you, on behalf of not only myself, but all pastors, to assess how you left your last church. I'm assuming kind of that if you're watching this, maybe you're a part of reality or thinking about it, but I want to lovingly ask you to assess how you left your last church or your past churches. If this is your first church, then cool. This is awesome. But for a lot of you, I know you came from other churches and... I want us to ask ourselves, and I want us to ask you, as hard as it is, do you need to go back and say anything to anyone? Again, you know what I mean by that. Like, how did you leave? Do you need to ask for forgiveness? Do you need to to, to tell them why you did? Like, was there drama there? Do you need to pray about that more? Do you need to, like, did you leave well? Is there anything you need to do to go back to repair and restore and redeem? It doesn't mean you have to go back. not saying that, but is there anything unresolved? Is there any way that God wants to use you to maybe repair or restore or redeem that relationship? And just as your pastor, I'm asking, it's always going to be better, even if it's been years, to really pray about it and to um, just make sure that whether you left well or not or whatever it was just as far as it depends upon you to be at peace with all men all right and kind of kind of wrapping up here a little bit but even in the midst of this i want i can't we cannot miss out that god is still in control of this mess that's happening in acts 15 that god is in control and again despite this really sad, unfortunate parting of ways for Paul and Barnabas, what happened is that God redeemed it and actually ended up even bringing more fruit than expected out of it. Because in a nutshell, while God didn't cause this disagreement or this fateful separation, God used it to guide both Paul and Barnabas In separate ways, but with increased fruitfulness and service, because now there was two missionary uh, teams going out, not one. Just more ground covered, more people talked to, more effective. Right? Barnabas did end up taking Mark, went back to Cyprus to continue evangelizing uh, his native island. And Paul visited the young churches from his first missionary journey with Silas. And God actually kind of continued to do a lot more through them as well that we know a lot about. Again, this wasn't ideal, but God used it for his glory and for the furthering of his kingdom. He redeemed and actually used a really ugly situation to ultimately reach more people than if they actually stayed relationally connected. Do you see that? This should give us incredible hope and encouragement. Right? Especially in our own lives when we've gone through church splits or drama or relational discord or when there's been real pain. I want us to be encouraged that and reminded that it's often through our difficulties and our failures that God leads us to increased to to experience more of Him and even be used in greater ways for His kingdom. Like God uses these difficulties and failures in our lives to actually bear more fruit a lot of the time. And the truth is, most times it's from our failures that we learn the most from our God. Isn't that true? Right, we sometimes experience things in our life and we discern that they're failures. And we can't see like God's actually hand and guidance in it. Just like for Paul or Barnabas, like in the moment, I'm sure they could not see how God would use this situation for the betterment. Like, I honestly think they have this fight, they part ways, they're like, oh my goodness, like, this is a setback. This is gonna hurt the ministry of the Lord. Like, this isn't gonna increase effectiveness, but God redeemed it and restored this brokenness and actually more, Ministry had started, more fruitful, productive ministry had begun. Um, I've been gardening lately. <laughs> I know that's silly and it's a little segue here, but I, kind of a late COVID hobby, trying to grow things, trying to figure out how to grow things. Like I never grew up gardening or anything. And um, me and my kids, uh, Eva and Liam, we've really gotten into it. We have this little side yard. And, YouTube videos. My wife's probably laughing because like every night I'm on YouTube just learning new ways, like growing tomatoes and tomato trellises. And literally it's unbelievable how like excited I am about composting and the purpose of compost and what it is and why it's so good for your garden. And in a nutshell, what compost is, is taking all your like organic food scraps, all like, you know, cut grass and all like your leftover um, fruits and vegetables and whatnot and throwing them in a big pile like outside or in a bin or whatever it is and just allowing time. You can turn it over a little bit, but allowing all of that like trash and stuff you would throw out and all this dead stuff that's not good anymore and you allow time to go on and if you know anything, because I'm sure many of you know more than I do, and I'm explaining compost, even like, wow, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I don't really know yet, but just you two. Over time, all of these dead things become a really like rich, vibrant, organic compost. But then you add to your garden and you amend your soil or whatever, and your grant, your your in theory, uh, your fruit and vegetables and your plants just are way more productive and effective from this compost than they would if they weren't. The point being is compost essentially is taking dead things and making incredible life out of them. Like like when you learn about compost, like please just YouTube it or whatever, you're like, this is unbelievable that what I would have thrown in the trash that was no good for anyone over time now becomes the thing in which makes more life, more fruit happen. This is the very thing that God wants to do to our failures and our brokenness and our relational discord. And even with church splits and with with failures and, and moral failures and whatever, God wants to redeem and restore and use them so that there can even be more fruit and more effectiveness through his kingdom. And in scripture, we hear of God doing this very thing with his people over and over. Right, just a few examples. With Isaiah, he speaks of God's attributes. Isaiah 61.3, he will give you a crown of beauty... In exchange for ashes, like he'll take your ashes and give you beauty. A joyous blessing instead of mourning and festive praise instead of despair. King David rejoices over these same truths that that God actually can turn our mourning into joyful dancing. He says, you have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And because of that, I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. The whole point is what we see as dead and and broken and painful. God in his sovereignty, by his power and for his glory, can actually redeem. And bring new life out of what we think is broken and even dead sometimes. Again, any time in our lives that these painful relational parting happens uh, in any way, whether that's a church split, ministry relationship, leaving a church, our earnest prayer and our earnest desire is that God redeems and uh, and uses both parties. And guys, I want to encourage you, especially when you are maybe the offended side or when you err on like agreeing with one person more than the other. I want us to take note that our hope and prayer for both parties, for both people, for both sides, whatever it is, our hope and prayer should be, God, by your mercy, by your grace and by your love. Would you use this heartbreak? Would you lose, use this broken relationship? Would you use this pain and division and disunity? And would you redeem it for even more growth than we can imagine? Because that is our story today. We, it, there wasn't reconciliation in the way that any of us would want it, but by God's love and his grace and his mercy, he did redeem the situation for even more growth than could be imagined. So I wanna be reminded as we step into worship, I want the takeaway in summary to be this. I want us to, to be aware of our humanity, that this is going to happen to us in our context, to strive for unity to strive for it. The last resort being to part, but when we, and if that happens, to part well. But even when in the midst of it, to be reminded that God is in control and we together would pray he uses the pain and the discord for even more fruit for his kingdom to come. Amen? Amen. God, thank you so much that you... Redeem our brokenness. I mean, that is the heart of the gospel. That is the heart of the cross, that we were once sinners and now we're saved and you call us saints. That once we're lost and now we're found and you do that even with the broken relationships, the discord, church splits, uh, pastors and leaders that fall. Like you can actually take all of the brokenness and hurt and pain and ugliness and you can actually by your grace and your mercy can redeem it all for your glory and actually more people can come to know you um, in those situations and god so we ask that you would uh in our own lives that we that you would restore maybe the the brokenness maybe you would heal past hurts maybe you would use us to bring restoration Um, but ultimately that we would just step back and say you know what this is hurtful this is painful but God, you're in control. Have your way. I want more of you. And so God, we want that. We want more of Jesus in our life, in our church, in our family, in our relationships. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Men, church, I want you to stick around right now. I encourage you to stick around to worship the Lord and exalt his name because he's worthy to be praised. Uh, and we'll see you soon, hopefully back here next Sunday at 10 a.m. Ahoyo.